This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. I'm Grace, if you don't know who I am. Um, I'm Grace. <laughs> Child of God, highly favored of the Lord. Yeah. Happy birthday. I feel so giddy all of a sudden, anyway. <laughs> yeah. um, I loved uh, Matt's sensitivity. Oh, man. And when he switched from guitar to... Yeah. It's something shifted in the atmosphere. Yeah. It was already great. But yeah. the shift happened in this atmosphere was like... <laughs> you know, at one point, I literally, you know, Holy Spirit say, just... Put your hand out. Yeah. And, yeah. and when I did it, it felt like I was like really standing right under the um, like a rain, but it's not like the cold rain, but it's like the spring warm rain. And it's, some, it's so refreshing and it was really uh, good. And uh, I just wanted to stay there. <laughs> I'm back and um, oh, okay. Um, for the uh, sake of connection, I probably have to repeat some of the things I said. I don't know exactly what I said last <laughs> week, and um, it's so funny that in this atmosphere, it almost felt like I. I just finished the session like an hour ago and came back right into this atmosphere again, you know. And <laughs> last week, I think I started off saying oh, it's not necessarily a teaching session, and I just want to simply share from where I have been. And it's a lot, but and yet, in the middle of all that, and how God ministered to you and talked to you. So it wasn't necessarily for me to bring a teaching per se, but it's a story of your life. You know, like the commercial, the cotton, the fabric of your life. <laughs> so, however, you know, Holy Spirit weave you with his presence and his word. It's really the fabric of your life will be seen. In all its glory, for the glory of the living one, God. So I threw out the question um, that I heard from Holy Spirit a few weeks back, and God uh, was asking me, do you really want to learn the dance between the absolute and the absolute? So with that, um, this is one of my black notes, but <laughs> I've gone to like a places, there's other book notes that I've been taking and I was just, it's like conversation piece that I have sometimes with God. And I didn't want to just bring it because I've been there, but I just want to um, share my heart in a sense where we are as an individual persons and 
also in this gathered setting and how we proceed from here on. You know, sometimes we talk about what we have gone through as a nation, as church, as people, person, as family and society, why not? The transition can be really interesting. Well, actually, interesting is a really understatement, but it has been out of this world, so to speak. (laughs) Yeah. So with that, to um, connect, um, I took out a note that I had, and there was like this definition, this word that kept coming back up in my spirit was the apocalypse. So I'm going to reread it from last week. And apocalypse, an an apocalypse is not the end of the word in the Bible. An apocalypse is, is a moment when God pulls back the curtain and shows his people what is going on from heavenly perspective. The Apostle Paul referred to his encounter with the risen Jesus as an apocalypse. He was able, for the first time, to see the truth about Jesus that was hidden from him before. And when God brings about this kind of apocalypse, it usually means some things come to an end, so new possibilities and future can emerge. And Greek definition word for apocalypse is simply revelation. An unveiling of unfolding of things previously unknown and which could not be known apart from the unveiling. You probably can feel that very word that apocalypse is probably something you can kind of relate to. However, you, know, you feel as there are certain things in your life, it felt like that. And something was ending. But something's beginning, but you don't know how to proceed quite yet. And that's exactly where I have been. And some of you know, you know, my personal um, ordeal (laughs) I went through. But even through that experience, the one thing that kept me going or one thing that I have to always ask that question within me is, now, what, what, what God says, what does he say about this situation? Even, I don't know, because I, I think I put the stick and I stick my hand out. All of a sudden, I have this picture of, like, when you wake up in the morning and then throughout the day, if, if my head space is like the other weather station, yeah. is it sunny, cloudy, rainy, stormy, and thundering, and... <laughs> For how many times throughout the day? It's, you know, it's just, just a picture. But and yet, it's not that, you know, that pattern in your headspace is wrong. It's that you're feeling things, you're processing things out, and in the middle of it, and God says, how about it? Can you hear me? I mean, really, really hear me. You know, sometimes we know so much of the word that when God says to you a certain word to you, and you think, "Oh, I know where that word is. I can even, I can even, see, I can even really open my Bible, not necessarily physically, but you can see 
You can go to a certain book and say, oh, I know where that passage is and I know how to exist and study and, and bring forth, oh, this could be a great confession over this particular situation. But has God said that to do so? I mean, I've, I've done it. So that's why I'm, I'm, I'm sharing this. And, um, you know, the, the hardest part about processing things within your headspace can be very um, interesting. I don't even know how to describe this because when you're alone in your own space, whether that's like a thought space or mind space, you, you have your space to just process things out. And then in this space, sometimes you get really religious, okay, Holy Spirit, show me. And something comes up and say, um, no, that's not what I want you to see. Really? I don't know if this makes sense to you or not, but it's the way, I, the way it makes sense to me. <laughs> so. So with that, I was sharing scripture of Jesus being in the wilderness. You know how he was baptized um, in the Jordan River, the river of decision. And the Jordan River, and he was baptized um, by John the Baptist. And, and then I'm going to read it, okay. When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were open, open to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him, and suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Then, um, Matthew 4, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness, is a place of hiding and transition. And um, in the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, and when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and number 40 represents, it signifies the number, um, represents transition or change, the concept of renewal and new beginning. The number 40 has the power to lift a spiritual state. So he basically was led to uh, wilderness to be, to be, I think I last, last time I said, you know, he was on a diet program of fasting. So um, he was hungry. But let's pause here for a moment that in the wilderness, and he started fasting, of course, by Holy Spirit. And I know he was like naturally fasting, because he's physically, he was getting physically hungry. But I, this is place where I felt like I had a, a similar experience. And, and with the, some of the things that God was telling me is that where you're feeling like a stuck in a place or feeling like a, a place where you are kind of being held and hidden, but there's no other way to go because it's almost like if the Holy Spirit tells you to stay there then you need to stay there and so when Jesus was in the wilderness and 
I love to imagine things with Jesus. So in the wilderness, and he's not just, um, I don't know, you know, some people have like this thinking that he may be like one of those like a Buddhist monk and sitting in a, like somewhere and just like a humming away, meditating. I don't believe that he was, he was doing that. So <laughs> I don't know how vast the wilderness was. Oh, he could be marching and reciting the Torah, the word, and talking to, Je- talking to God, Jesus himself anyway, talking to <laughs> Father. <laughs> and like, he's, like I, I said, like, he wasn't led to a town or city or in the river or ocean, and he was led to the wilderness. And there's nothing to look at, obviously. Have you ever gone to a wilderness place and thought like, oh, that's really beautiful. I mean, some people find it beautiful. It can be a beautiful place depending on how you look at it. It's all about your perception. So he's probably having a lot of conversation with God while he was fasting. So, you know, like sometimes the purpose of fasting is not necessarily that you, you're begging God to ask for something. But the, yeah, the very spirit of fasting is for your spirit man to focus on God. And it is actually to heighten your ability to hear the spirit of God. So in that, I think it's almost like, a, you know, when, you, when you're cooking bread, you're, making, you're baking bread. Let's say he was the living world being baked. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> The oven is called the wilderness. So by the Spirit of God, he's being trained. And, you know, like John 1.14 said, Jesus is the word who became flesh and dwelt among us. So he is the, uh, the prototype, the example, how to um, utilize the wilderness the way Holy Spirit intended for him to utilize the wilderness. So... He is completely, completely submitted by the Holy Spirit in the wilderness. He is working it out what he's called to be, what he's called to do. You know, I don't think, I think he knew, in an essence, why he came to the earth to be born in that time, that era. And I don't think he had the whole entire picture of what is his life going to be. He had to d- discover his destiny, his calling, just like the way he's encouraging us to do. So he was out in the wilderness. He's probably daily going through, having conversation, you know, reciting the words. And, and then because based on what Holy Spirit was telling him, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. I mean, in this word, this, in this sentence, everything hinges upon what he was about to do, what he's called to do. And I mentioned about the wilderness is that I want to make a, make a connection because I think he was led to wilderness by such a design by the Holy Spirit as the wilderness was never meant to be a wilderness. And I think it's like almost like, you know, when um, you hire interior decorator or a designer, 
the person goes into and looking to the house, let's say, like Pastor Gavin is really amazing. And in this, if he decides to remodel this space, he will walk in and he start imagining, he start seeing things. You know, I could do this, I could do that. And there is this blueprint happening. And I think what Jesus was doing in the wilderness is like, I, I remember this place. This is where the very Garden of Eden is supposed to be. And he's probably looking at things in the wilderness that I have been called to just reclaim what my covenant children are supposed to have. I hope this makes sense to you. And so, the very last prophetic voice that was gone, from that point on to the, until Jesus appears, that's about, about 400 years plus. And in that time, there's no voice of God was heard. You know, we can blame all the Pharisees and Sadducees, all these people, but these people had to do, they were, they were like interpreters of the law back then. But without the very spirit of God, they couldn't have done a good job. So the purpose of law is to, to reveal that there's no righteousness of a man will ever fulfill or come close to God's presence and, and be righteous. So the whole point of Jesus coming to earth was to reclaim back and with his own life. And so he, as a living word, and when he appeared in the, on the scene of the wilderness, he's like doing this, the same exercise the very Holy Spirit did from the beginning. Let there be light. Let there be illumination. He himself was the illumination. You know, sometimes when I share in this kind of context, I feel like um, I say things in such a picture way, like a metaphorical way. But we're built to understand these things. That's why Jesus talked about the kingdom and the heaven in so many parables. And even when we look at Jesus' life, yes, he lived the time and he was fulfillment of the other, all the promises and the prophecies that was given in the Old Testament. But and yet he was like this, that, that eclipse from Old Testament to the New Testament. He is like connecting that, that very thing. It's almost like you have to reconcile this side in order to embrace this side. And the Bible was literally all about Jesus who was prophesied and who came and then who will lead many children to the Father's heart. And then like Matt was singing. You know, I just briefly had like a really, little bit of an interesting picture because when you were saying, singing, Abba, I belong to you. When we were singing, if, just imagine Jesus was singing that song in the wilderness. Yeah. Just like we have to do the same thing. Yeah. Abba, I belong to you. I have to like literally remind myself I know who I am. And so I'm sort of kind of jumping here all over the place. But um, 
there's such a thing as like the law of identification. It's, I know it's like kind of like doctrinal word, but Jesus, the law of identification is basically is this that you have been justified and by the blood of Jesus, and you have you have been anointed. To walk the call that God has given you. So, um, in the wilderness, when Jesus is going through this exercise, when the 40 days were fully set, and guess who appears? Satan. And um, the test comes. And then, the first verse is very... Um, Interesting because it's his tempting, addressing his hunger. And he said, if you are the son of God, if, yeah, if you are the son of God. So Jesus is the son of God and he's attacking the very identification of who he is and the prophet. All right. Before I go on to this, um, I think I shared last week that there's only three points that um, Satan tempted us the way he tempted in the garden. So, you know, basically, every time you have challenges, you, sort of, you can kind of sort of identify where this is coming from. It's almost like uh, you know, when you go into the social session, what's the lie and what's the truth? So it's, it's really simply, you know, what is the lie, what is the truth? Sometimes the truth sounds like a lie, and the lie sounds like a truth. But in that, you need, like, Holy Spirit's help to navigate that space. So the three things, the lust of flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, that's in... I'm not just saying this uh, off my tongue. This First John two sixteen. <laughs> that's the reference. Yeah, yeah. So, um, these three things—the very thing that Adam in the garden failed—and here, the last Adam, the true Adam, appeared in the wilderness. And then, after forty days, when he fully eclipsed or fully having that apocalypse, he's revealed. And then Satan comes in and then tempts. If you, if, if you are the son of God, then command these stones become bread. But he answered and said, it is written, men shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So, when enemy comes to you and asks you, you can think of any, any situation, whether it's finance situation, relational situation, even throughout the day, you know, sometimes out of nowhere, a thought came to you and it just brings fear to you. And that's like, so how about it? What is your choice? Because all Satan looks for is your agreement. He does not have any other power than to give you suggestion 
and looking for an agreement. Isn't that what Eve did? In that tempting situation, she agreed. And after the agreement, she actually put action to that and suffered the consequence. And you know that story. So um, what does God say right now in those situations? Because when, when, I, when, when my, my husband passed away, oh, actually, now I'm saying it, okay. <laughs> yeah. And my whole world changed. So I don't know, you know, when you, when you walk through the door and you're thinking, I've never been here before. How do I proceed from here? Where do I go? But in that, the only thing that will come for me is God saying that throughout, even for, I don't know, I mean, I've been with this house for so long, but this was my safe house. This was my family. And, and through it all, you know, the word comes to you and say, you're going to be fine. You're going to be okay. You know, like you go through a place where it felt like a wilderness, but I know that that's a place that I can grow again. I can change again. I can move about and do other things and have a hope for the possibilities. And then right after that, COVID hit. And, and wow, is this like the end of the world? <laughs> But actually, it felt like the end of the world to a degree. But, but in God's economy, it's like when you feel like you end to an, come to an end to something, there's always new beginning happens. It's a beautiful beginning. Yeah. And, and, and then the beautiful thing about it is that I thought about Jesus being in the wilderness, and he probably had so many questions. And I can only imagine what type of question he would ask to, like a father, you know, how about this, how about that? And I had to do the same thing. You know? I mean, I don't think there's any right or wrong way to do this, as long as you're present. You got to be present with him. And all he asks is, just let me come to you. Don't, don't reject me. Just let me come and let me be with you. And I'll show you things to think about. Okay. And I've had many comforts through the family members that I have here. I mean, you're all my family, you know. And the love and the support. And it's beautiful. But sometimes when you're alone, you know, those are times when those creepy things come to you and say, what about this? What about that? But this is the beauty about God's word is that even he will pull out the word that I didn't even know that I knew. I mean, it's like, oh, wow. I knew that word, but it just hits me differently now. And that's great. And it's, it's the word. And I, I remember when I came to the church, the first Sunday I came, Pastor Barry was teaching on Mark 4. 
the soul sows the word. And over the years, like Pastor Kathy, the study you for how long? <laughs> and I remember I was so just enraptured by the whole Mark 4. I kind of did the same thing, spend you know, your time, like spending the time with the word. And I remember um, how the power of the word, the living word, it was, it's, it's like the word was identifying the condition of my heart the soil of my heart. So it's not necessarily the, you know, you're identifying, oh, on the get-go, or your heart is like stony ground or good ground and, you know, with the thorns and things like that. It's just that because, because you're willing to receive the word, the word really yeah. identifies what kind of soil you have. Yeah. And the beauty about that is that he doesn't just end there. It's almost like you diagnose a situation or a symptom. It's like, oh, I know what's causing that now. How about it? Let me work with you. This word I give you, I mean, the word spirit and life. So let's, how about it? Let's spend some time. So he actually converts your heart to be a good ground. So there was the incorruptible seed of the word of God, which lives and abides forever, has the power to convert and literally change the, uh, the quality of the soil to be a, a good ground. So that's, that's why there's nothing is impossible with God, because of the power of the Word of God. Okay, so within this context, in Old Testament, the law of identification, who you are in Christ Jesus. Why well, I'm in Christ Jesus. In Old Testament, God only, you could only hear from God. Through prophets, priests, and kings. So, First Peter two nine talks about for you are chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation. And I think because Jesus walked in these all three offices, three functions as a prophet, priest. And king. And it's the same thing, those three points. That the reason we are built to live by the word of God is you are prophet of your own life. We are built to hear his word and to prosper according to the word heard. You are a prophet. You know, I'm going to debunk some of the what is the pro- prophetic. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. you are prophetic. We are prophetic. This word is prophetic. The whole essence of the living word. This isn't just, you know, we say we can simplify logos. What is it? The written word. But this is the other intention, the will of God. It's, it's how you know the character and nature of God through this. So when you think about Logos, Logos is not just this written word. This Logos is a personhood. It's a person. This, through this, you have conversation. Think about it. If you have all this like a 66 
Like we have, everyone has Instagram. If each book has Instagram and post something, like how many like likes, 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 probably, you know, like numbers and Leviticus is probably maybe next to Revelation is probably least liked because <laughs> I don't get it. I'm serious. Yeah. I mean, you cannot say, I, oh, this is my favorite parts. And yes, we, you should have favorites. Not, it's better than not having favorites. You know? <laughs> Hello, prophets. Hello. A chosen generation. You know, the, the reason the old covenant people were called the Israel, the Israelites, the one of the key thing about them was that they're the only people on the face of the earth to hear God's voice. Whoa. They're supposed to through kings, priests, and prophets. You know, and sometimes we just, we just have such a linear way to define the offices God has set in and, and thinking this is what they did and so therefore, and God is saying like, don't put me in a certain boxes. So, as a chosen generation, you're built to hear God's voice. You know, it's actually when Jesus is in the wilderness, when looking at it, it's like, this is the punishment for not having heard God's word. And to have the last prophet talking that my sons will go to the father, father will go after children. Yeah. You know what the entire anointing is? It's to, to divide the father and son relationship. Because he said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So I'm going to move to the next point. And then the, the next temptation was, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written. Um that he shall give his angel charge over you. And in their hands, they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. That's in Psalm 91, 11, and 12. And Jesus said to him, it is written, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. In other words, the temptation in Greek word, the meaning is to test thoroughly, to put to proof God's character and power. So here's a question. Why was Jesus taken to Holy City, Jerusalem, Pinnacle of Temple? I mean, it's not like Jesus, you know, was taken to this place where, I don't know, it could be his own house somewhere. But over all the places is the temple, the height of the Pinnacle of Temple, and throw yourself down. So, Basically, it's challenging him. Are you going to the ministry, the priestly ministry function with your own effort? Or are you going to still listen to me and minister to him according to what Holy Spirit says to you? Because in the, under the Old Testament, the priests were supposed to minister in the temple arena where 
there's a certain sacrifices and and giving administering that's all according to the law that was written. See, because the Old Testament was like a shadow of things to come. And in all about Jesus and New Testament here, now Jesus is the living temple. Can you imagine the living temple? He is the tabernacle, the tabernacling of the Spirit of God. And then Satan has audacity to take him up to this place and say, throw yourself down and prove that you are the high priest ordained by the Holy Spirit. So this is the issue of the lust of eyes. Who do you serve? Because in the wilderness, when they have to come out of Egypt and then they have to build the tabernacle in the, in the wilderness, in the middle of it, it has a lot of, oral, a lot of detail work that went in, and cannot, I don't have time to go over it. But they literally had to come out of Egypt as slaves, and they're completely codependent in the Egypt system. And then they have to be independent in the middle of the wilderness mm-hmm. to detach from, to completely do away with all the way of thinking, all the way of life. And in the wilderness, and Jesus, not Holy Spirit, instruct Moses to build a tabernacle. And the first thing, the way they camped around in the middle of, the tab- tab- tabernacle was set in the middle of, their camp, and their tent, the old 12 tribes had like a really, um, had their tent set up all around. The first thing they have to, they, they have to face the tabernacle. So the first thing they did was when they come out in the morning and open their tent door, the first thing they see is the tabernacle. Wow. Tabernacle is simply the shadow and pictures of who Jesus is. Everything about the tabernacle, the way it's built, and everything was foreshadowing the shadow of Jesus, the the Son of God. And so they literally have to train their eyes to forget what they've seen, all the idols in Egypt, all the lifestyle, the livelihood of Egypt. And then they're providing the wilderness. I mean, I know I did a joke about the glamping in the wilderness, but... (laughs) But in that, that was like they have to literally go through the detox of the slavery mentality. And they even in that, 10 times they tested Jehovah. And, And with that, it's interesting that if you do that, if you throw yourself down, then he shall give his angels charge over you. Remember, Satan was former... Well, I mean, he was still angel. Couldn't change who he was, but still angel. <laughs> and then he talks about angels. And this is something about the spirit realm is that was Jesus alone in the wilderness? Was he really alone in the wilderness? Because if you read the Gospels all throughout, and then you have to sort of kind of like Imagine that he walked in, in him, in him, the heaven and earth as one. He walked about 
And because he was the living word, the angel's ministry always followed the word of the ministry of the word of God. So think about it. If you are full of the word, whether you see it with your eyes or not, the angels are always with you. And you even have the right to ask God, increase my angels. I mean, but he's not going to just do it just like that. Are you willing to submit to the world? Of, I'm, this is, I'm talking to myself. <laughs> I'm not just talking, hey, I'm talking to myself. <laughs> because there's some of the conversations I did to God. I was like, God, this is not right. <laughs> How about it? I mean... In that, in their hands, they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against stone. Jesus said, no, you should not tempt the Lord your God. See, this is the thing. Satan was never equal with God. Never, 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 never. He was just the only creature. And he just encroached his boundary. You know, it doesn't matter whether he gets a yellow card, red card. He was just done with it. And then, see, this is the thing. You know, like sometimes we say, oh, you know, when you have a conversation, oh, that person's just projecting his issue or her issue to so-and-so, so-and-so, whatever. But this is exactly what Satan was doing to Jesus. He's projecting his own issue, his own failures. So the high priest role and his juries specify Holy Spirit not on works or assumption or presumption. It must be done according to the pattern established by God. There's like, in the Bible, there's so many images and pictures. It's not like for you, for you to just go away and then just have a beautiful thoughts and do away with it. No. This, these are very practical things. And I was talking to, I think I was talking to Rafa or someone, and I was talking about, you know, sometimes when you go into a place where, like, you think about your life, oh, my goodness, how God has preserved you in the places that you just didn't even think that was possible. Oh, my goodness, time is going here. And how, you, how God will provide, especially in my life, provide places where, I was just enjoying life, even, even you know, going to the Bible study and even my pers- personal study, even digging into Word and all these things. Sometimes you think you're just doing it for the enjoyment, but you're being set up yeah. wow. yep. for such as time. Right. For me, the time that I went through for the past three, four years, and yep. I literally walked through those narrow paths where God says, no, do not deviate. Don't go this way. Don't go that way. Just look at me. What does he say to you right now? What is, what is the word that he's saying to you specifically right now? That you, he can, he's asking you, come closer. Can you talk to me? I think sometimes like the best posture to be in his presence is... <laughs> I have to zip 
so I can get quiet and he can, he can talk to me. Yeah. And how, how to receive is up to you. You know, I think God knows our love language. God has love language for each one of us. You know, if you're a journal, if, we, if, if you are journal, like your, your extension, like Matt tonight, when he switched over, I mean, he was speaking with his fingers. I mean, he was just singing with your, and you're singing, but you're singing. <laughs> How do you hear that? <laughs> yeah, it's going well. Yes, I I received that. <laughs> the phone says things going well. <laughs> so, so as a chosen generation, you're built to hear His word, and as priest. You're built to minister according to the pattern established in, in you, each one of, in me, each one of us. Does this make sense? <laughs> and then the last one, I'm going to finish real quickly. And then, again, the devil took him on the on exceedingly high mountain domain kingdoms and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. The pride of life. Now, the last thing that he's attacking is his way of worship. I, I can give all this to you if you worship me. Then Jesus said, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only and you shall serve. Then the devil left him and behold, the angel came and ministered to him. It always has been, you know why, remember why, think about why Lucifer fell. It's over worship. Because he got confused instead of a way, yes. Instead of worshiping his own creator, he started worshiping himself. It's either you build your own kingdom or God's kingdom. And so, you know, even the, the Bible talks about, and he says that he's the king of kings. He's the king and the kings. We are the kings. We are the, the royal children of God. The whole purpose of the kingdom is to rule and reign. And how do you rule? How do you reign? With the word. And, and you cannot rule and reign even with the word without the intimacy with the word. Right. When we, it is a beautiful thing when we receive the revelation from, from God. The revelation. The revelation is only the beginning. When you receive revelation... That's where you start until the glory manifests. So from the Logos to Rhema to glory, when you have that full circle, then that's the evidence the kingdom 
is at hand and be manifested. Sometimes you feel like, well, I'm put that on you, but sometimes I feel like every day you get up and you face, you look at yourself in the mirror and what do you say? I'm a child of God. I'm chosen generation. Loyal pursuit, part of a holy nation. And how do I show forth his glory? And um, I know <laughs> the things we go through in life sometimes. You have questions. Even Pastor Gavin talked about the life throws you a curveball or you know, something unexpected. Sometimes like there's certain things happen like a sucker punch to your gut and and you just kind of stand there and thinking, what's happening here? Yeah. But like Hebrews says that God will never leave you nor forsake you. And in that, he will equip you with the word of God. And so whether it is like a healing issue or your relational issue or you were praying for the loved ones and, and you've been praying and you've been standing for years, even for decades, or even whatever that is. And he is always aware that he'll be right there with you and for you. And he'll give you even how to pray, how to Release your faith into that. And to switch it, I know you've got about maybe three minutes. Just please give me three minutes. Uh, yeah, a gear, a little bit. I had this one uh, last week. I thought maybe, you know, it's, sometimes this is the way God talks to me, so I'm just going to share with that. Okay. Um, in 1990s, there's this like, really popular book. It's actually a business model book, but it's called Who Moved My Cheese? Yes. <laughs> it's written by uh, Spencer Johnson, MD. But there's some pointers. And think, picture this. Instead of cheese, you think about the revelation, what God says to you. Okay? Because I'm here where, like, okay, sometimes I cannot live on my old revelations. You need the fresh ones. So here we go. So I'm going to replace the cheese with a revelation. So... <laughs> Having revelation makes you happy. The more important your revelation is to you, the more you want to hold on to it. If you do not change, you will become extinct. (laughs) What would you do if you weren't afraid? Smell the revelation often. So, you know, when it is getting old. (laughs) Movement in a new direction helps you find a new revelation. When you move beyond your fear, you feel free. Imagining myself enjoying new revelation 
even before I find it, leads me to it. The quicker you let go of old revelation, the sooner you find a new revelation. So from glory to glory. It is safer to search the maze than to remain in a revelation-less situation. Old beliefs may not lead you to new revelation. When you see that you can find and enjoy new revelation, you change course. Nothing small changes early helps you adapt to bigger changes that are to come. Changes happen. Keep moving with the revelation. In this case, the revelation of kingdom Jesus Christ, the Lord. (laughs) Anticipate change. Get ready for the revelation to move. Monitor change. Smell the revelation. Adapt to change quickly. The quicker you let go of old, the better. Change. Move with the revelation. Enjoy change. Savor the adventure and enjoy the taste of a new revelation. <laughs> Be ready to change quickly. Enjoy it again and again. Keep moving with the revelation. Again, who Jesus is to you. Because <laughs> yeah. yeah. he's the one who never leave you nor forsake you. That's right. That's right. So let me pray. <laughs> Father God, we thank you for tonight. Yes. I thank you, Father, for the ministry of Matt's beautiful worship and condition our hearts to hear you in a newer and fresh way. I thank you, Father, for the living word that's inside of us. I thank you, Father, that we are always grateful and thankful for your presence and also your preceding word, a living word that comes out to us all the time, every day, whether we realize it or not, whether we miss it or not. The fact is that you will never leave us nor forsake us. I thank you, Father, for the fresh infilling of the revelation, the word of God that was given to us, Father God. So even now in this room, or or whoever's going to listen to my voice, Father God, it's not just my voice, but it's your voice that amplifies the very word, the living word, you are talking, you are imparting each one of the beautiful, good ground that's sitting in right here. Yes, Jesus. So again, we say that we are the chosen generation and royal priesthood and the holy nation. And we shall show forth the praise of your name. And we have the reputation of being a peculiar people, being in peculiar the way that you called us how to hear your word and how to minister as priest and how to rule and reign with your word, with the peace, the ever-increasing peace that passes our understanding. So it's like Jesus dealt with all the doubting voices, all the challenging voices, And he said, with the living word in himself, that it is written, that we get to say it is written in our spirit and in our heart, that you are the Lord, and your word is living and working mightily in us. So as the weeks ahead, 
that all these beautiful people here, and they will hear your word clearer more than ever. And that word is cleave unto them. And they get consumed by their word, and they became the flesh. Fleshed out, like Pastor Kathy said, the fleshed out the living word so they can rule and reign in their domain and giving glory to you. So we say that we give all the glory to you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Amen.